Hi, my name's Mary, and I live in Bethany, a tiny village really close to Jerusalem. And I live there with my brother Lazarus and my sister Martha. Now, Martha is a lovely person. She's kind, she's funny, she's very smart. But she can be a bit bossy. And between you and me, she's a bit of a control freak. But we do love her very much. Now, the Lord has blessed our family with a spacious house and, and with wealth. And what we love to do is host pilgrims when they come to Jerusalem. Sometimes we entertain rabbis, that's travelling teachers of the law, and they come with their disciples. And they like to stand in our courtyard with their disciples at their feet, teaching them. And all the men from the village will come, so they can hear as well. But of course, Martha and I, we're just women. It's not our job to listen. It's our job to prepare the food and make the beds. But we do listen. And we do chat about it afterwards. And the slightly worrying thing is we often seem to catch on a lot quicker than the disciples. But the really worrying thing is we sometimes seem to know what we're thinking better than the rabbis. But there's one rabbi who comes who's very different. Because he isn't just a travelling teacher. He is our dearest friend. And his name is Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth. And he comes with his disciples and stays with us every time he goes to Jerusalem. And it's really special when he comes. And we scrub the house till it's spotless. We kill the best animals. And we make an amazing feast for him. And I want to tell you about something that happened on his latest visit when he came last week. So when Jesus walks through the door, something fantastic happens. It's like the whole house is lighter. It's like we're filled with peace. And there's something else. It's as though time stops. And the only thing that matters is Jesus. The nearest thing I can get to explaining what it's like is imagine you're at the temple. One of those times when Everyone's worshipping and you get such a strong sense of the presence of God. That's what it's like. Now last time Jesus came, he came in through the door as usual and before the food he was teaching his disciples and what he's saying was so fascinating that was drawn in and I found myself sitting at his feet just like a real disciple. Now remember I said When the other rabbis come, I'm just the woman that provides the food. But with Jesus, I'm Mary, and I matter utterly. But then so does everyone else. Everybody matters utterly to Jesus. So I was sitting there, and I was kind of aware that Martha was faffing about in the background, but I was not prepared for the tantrum. She stormed in, red-faced and agitated, And she said to Jesus, Lord, can you see just how busy I am? And there's Mary, she's just sitting at your feet. Please tell her to come and help me. And Jesus looked at Martha with such love in his eyes and such tenderness in his voice as he spoke. And he said, oh, Martha, 
All these little things are causing you so much anxiety. But there's one thing that really matters. Mary has chosen that, and I'm not taking it away from her. Well, I thought that that would make Martha crosser, but it didn't. You could see her just relax, all the tension drain away. Because for the first time in her life, someone with real authority had given her permission just to be and not to have to do all the time. So now we're waiting for the next time Jesus comes. We've got the animals ready, everything's ready. But every time I think about it, I'm filled with this terrible sense of dread because Jesus is now starting to talk about his death and when he dies. And I'm really worried that the teachers of the law and the religious authorities are actually going to have him put to death and that he won't be on this earth with us for much longer. But what I do know is that our house is always open to him as long as he's here and we will be there to give him all the comfort and love and everything he needs as he walks this difficult path that he has chosen. Well, good morning, everyone. My name's Emma, and I work for Guildford Diocese, and it's really, really lovely to be here with you this morning. Really great to be here at St. Mary of Bethany and to meet the real St. Mary of Bethany. Can we give her a round of applause? I think she was brilliant. <laughs> really fabulous to hear that story from her perspective. Now, Mary, as we know, as she told us about, has a sister called Martha, and she's got a brother called Lazarus, and we meet them at various points in the Gospel. That little story, you can look it up later, is from Luke chapter 10, kind of the back end of Luke chapter 10. We also meet them in John's Gospel in chapter 11, where Jesus miraculously raises Lazarus from the dead. And then again in John chapter 12, where we see Mary anointing Jesus' feet. But for today, I just want to concentrate on that little snippet we see in Luke's Gospel, that little scene that Mary was just telling about. So we meet Mary, and she's sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to what he has to say. Now, as was beautifully described, she wouldn't have been the only person in that room. There'd have been lots of other people there listening to Jesus, the travelling preacher. But she is likely to have been the only woman who was there. Because traditionally in that culture, it was just the men who got to sit and listen to the teacher and the women who needed to be off in the kitchen making all the preparations. So it's not really surprising that poor old Martha gets so cross that Mary's not doing what she's supposed to do, but she's off somewhere else listening to Jesus. And if we think how Jesus reacts, does Jesus uphold those cultural norms and tell Mary to get back where she belongs in the kitchen? No, he doesn't. Does Jesus side with poor, hard-working Martha, who's having a bit of a strop, and tell Mary to go and help her sister? Does he do that? No. 
He says that Mary has chosen the better thing and he gives her permission to continue to sit and continue to listen to him. Now just have a little quick chat with each other. What's your initial reaction to that story? Who do you sympathise with? Who do you kind of feel closest to in that story? Just have a quick chat. You've got a minute and a half. Go. Okay, and stop. Who is on Team Mary? Who feels themselves associating with Mary in that story, feeling sorry for Mary? Oh, we've got a Mary. Oh, we've got a, couple of, a few Marys. Who's on Team Martha and really feels sorry for Martha in that story? Yeah, I do. I read that story and I think, oh, poor old Martha. There she was. The dinner had to be made and Mary's off being lazy. I think that reaction is really interesting. And I think it says a lot about what our society values, what we're taught to think is important. So our society values effort and hard work. And it values busyness. Who this week, when somebody asks them how they are, has said, oh, I'm really busy? <laughs> I have. Anybody else? Yeah, if we're honest, yeah, we're really, really busy. Um, young people, I want you to have a think back through your week. Now, after you'd come home from school, on how many nights this week did you do an after-school club or an activity or something where you had to go and do something else somewhere else after school? Who did that five days this week? My son. Who did it four days this week? One here. Any more forward? Three days this week. Yeah, my other son. Two days this week. One day this week. Here and here. You were five. Oh, you weren't five. Oh, you were Mary. Sorry. Yes, I'm with you. And have I got to one? One day this week did something else. Who, who doesn't do anything else other than school? Nobody. Uh, which of you parents sometimes feel a bit like a taxi service? that all you do is my long-suffering husband. Yeah, dad over there, yeah. Yeah, grandparents. Yeah, who, who, who are grandparents feel like you spend your whole lives running around after your grandchildren? Even our kids are really busy. It's something that our society says is a good thing. It says, be busy, do lots of stuff, then you'll be happy, then you'll be fulfilled, then you'll have lots of money, then you'll be able to buy all the stuff that you want and live life exactly as you want. It's what our society teaches us. But I think in this story, we see a different way, a way that kind of feels a bit alien and a bit strange to us, which is why we sympathise with poor old Martha, because it's so different to what our society says. And yet Jesus says that Mary had chosen the better thing. Not that what Martha was doing wasn't good, making the dinner and making sure the beds were made, that's good, doing lots of activities is good, but Mary had chosen what was better. 
And I think, like Martha, we are so easily distracted by all the preparations that have to be made. We find it really hard to be more Mary. Now, the irony of this was not lost on me. As I was writing this talk last Friday afternoon, I'd got about halfway through, and then I suddenly had to leave my computer, run off to my son's primary school, where I promised the PSA I was going to help them to sell ice pops, sell the ice pops, do the clear-up after the ice pops, run home, make supper to ensure that my two cricketers had had some supper before my husband ran into work and then got them to their match. And, I, and then I could sit down at my computer and finish my talk, and I'm like... The irony of this is not lost on me. I need this talk more than anybody. And I wonder how many of you can relate to that. But I know, for me, when I remember to be more Mary, when I remember that in the midst of all those preparations that have to be made, to slow down and to spend time with Jesus, it's actually really good for me. I'm calmer. I'm less anxious, I think I'm more patient with my children, and I think I probably end up enjoying life more when I take time to stop and be with Jesus. And we see that in the story as well. If you read it in Luke's Gospel, Martha is uh, described as being anxious and worried about many things, and we don't see that at all in Mary. So. So slowing down and being more merry, I think, is good for us. So what does it look like? What does it look like in the midst of all these demands and all the preparations that, frankly, have to be made? What does it look like to be more merry and to get the benefits of that? I think for some of us, it will mean putting our technology away for a little time during the day, leaving our phones or our tablets or the television or whatever it is down so that we can spend some quiet time away from those distractions. For others, it might actually mean using our technology better and finding an app, 24-7 prayer app, Lexio, there's a brilliant Lexio for families that will help you spend some time with Jesus or even setting a timer on your phone to go off at certain times a day just to remind you to take a breath to stop what you're doing for 30 seconds and just pray and remember Jesus. For some of us, it might mean finding a time of day that really works for us to carve out some time. For me, that's always been first thing in the morning before I get out of bed, because if I don't do it, then it's never going to happen. Uh, for other people, it might be just before you go to bed. For some mums, it might be just after you've done the school run, when you come home and you make your cup of coffee, because the initial chaos of the morning is over. Uh, for young people, it might be when you come home from school and you have a little bit of downtime. Um, finding a time of day that really works for you to spend time with Jesus. For other people, it might mean just remembering Jesus in the everyday. Now, Rachel Turner describes this as chat and catch. And it's just about chatting to Jesus as we go about our everyday lives, talking to him about the things we're doing, the things we're seeing, the things we're thinking, the things we're excited about, the things we're worried about. We can even ask him questions. That's the chat bit. Just as we go about our ordinary everyday lives, just making it a habit to chat to Jesus about the stuff we're doing. You can do that out loud. You can do it in your head. Or my favorite one, if you really need to kind of get it out, you can whisper it into your teddy bear or your cushion. Exactly. 
perfectly demonstrated. That's the chat bit. And the catch bit is after you've done your bit of chatting, to just pause and see if you can sense what God might be saying to you. And that could be a feeling, you might feel peaceful. It could be a picture of, that comes into your head. It, it could be some words. And this is something that anybody of any age can do. It just takes a little bit of encouragement and maybe a little bit of practice. So I wonder what it would look like for you in your life to be a bit more Mary. And I wonder what you can do to help and encourage and empower those who are close to you to be more Mary. I'm going to leave you to ponder those couple of questions and I think we're going to sing um, a beautiful song that just reminds us how good it is to spend time with Jesus. Then we're going to do a bit of a response activity.